your job and looks and money, car, clothing, health. Joy is different from happiness. Oftentimes people are trying to understand joy, but they are searching uh, through temporary things. And especially as each of you know, during this time, a year really of, of experiencing COVID-19, it has been challenging being isolated and being separated from those we love and uh, having to adapt. And uh, as I was going through studying, there was a list of things that bring us quote unquote joy during the coronavirus pandemic. I just wanted to read a few of these for you. Uh, some of these include a nabbing a pack of toilet paper at the grocery store, a, a toy that keeps your kid entertained for longer than five minutes, a toy that occupies your dog for longer than five minutes, uh, walking your dog from sometimes went from a cho being a chore to unbridled joy, uh, enjoying wearing pajamas almost every day, uh, my teenager has to hang out with me, cooking something new, being able to do one more rep in an exercise during your workout. A sunny day. Seeing how happy your dog is to have you home 24-7. Ordering takeout from your favorite restaurant and it's still just as delicious. Discovering you actually really like the expensive lotion, cute socks, exotic coffee beans that you got for Christmas but hadn't tried yet. Making pour over coffee. Putting frothed milk on top of it and sipping with your eyes closed. Drinking that said coffee in bed. And realizing you don't need to stress about your messy house because no one is coming over anyway. And uh, there's others, there's a whole list of, uh, they had about a hundred, but just a few of those. And uh, just to read some of them. And uh, my point is just wanting to help you understand that joy, we can experience happiness, a contentedness from our circumstances. But true joy is different. And as we, look at the as we look at the biblical record here in Luke 1, and uh, give you some background, Mary visits a relative, Elizabeth, and the trip would have taken 50 to 70 miles to the south into a city in Judah, where, and she was from the northeast in Nazareth. But as we look in verse 41 through 45, And uh, allow me to read it again. And it says, And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out loud with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. It is important as we note, first of all, that the source of joy is God. The Holy Spirit brings favor and blessing. And as mentioned here, it is important to understand that true joy is found in God. And the first thing we see here is a joyful pregnancy. If you look at um, our message from last week, and even two weeks before with Zechariah and Elizabeth, and the details of becoming pregnant. And then Mary, last week we saw that Mary received the news from Gabriel that she, as a virgin, would become pregnant. 
And here we have the joyful pregnancy because John the Baptist responds in utero. As we see in the text, it says the baby was leaped or moved in her womb. And that was prompting from the Holy Spirit. And so we see a, even in joyful pregnancy, but also a joyful perspective. Because Elizabeth, here she is filled with the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit, and she received insight into Mary's condition as Mary visits her relative, Elizabeth. And imagine for a moment if uh, someone comes, first of all, the fact that she knew she was pregnant without seeing her, but also understanding how, humanly speaking, we would respond if we found out that someone was pregnant. Imagine if a, a teenage daughter or Mary would have been about 13 to maybe 16 years old. But imagine how you would find out if all of a sudden one of your relatives who is 13 to 16 year old is pregnant. Instantly, it would be a, a gossip or you would wonder, oh, who is she with or what took place or, you know, how, how could this happen? But to understand this was a time of joyful perspective because Elizabeth instantly understood with aid of the Holy Spirit that this was not of natural causes. And she gives a loud voice and says, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. So we see not only is this a joyful pregnancy, a joyful perspective, but also a joyful parent. Because this blessing as the mother of the Messiah, the desire of every Hebrew woman, she received blessing and favor as the mother of my Lord. And it's important to note because while Mary is the mother of Jesus, she is never called the mother of God. Jesus is fully God, but not all of God is only Jesus. And Jesus is 100% God and 100% human nature. So let me rephrase that, understanding that Mary is not the mother of God. She's the mother of Jesus. But God consists of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so she's never called that. But Jesus was 100% God and 100% human. And so as we look at his nature, this, this joyful promise, not only was it a joyful parent, but a joyful promise. Elizabeth calls and says, the fruit of your womb. And favor and rights that are bestowed upon the Messiah. And it does not matter the age, but the promise was the person, Jesus Christ, even though he is not yet born. As we see here, it says, blessed is the fruit of your womb. Because understanding this was the Messiah, she understood this was the Messiah that would be born to Mary. And it's important for us to understand as well that she was recognizing the Messiah being a person. And Jesus Christ, this promise of the person Jesus Christ, even though he wasn't born. If you think about from a biological background, a human being exists since fertilization and the personhood is always inherent in a human being at all stages and development. A human being does not become a person at a particular stage of development following fertilization. A human person is in a continuous development of pot per potentialities 
and a human being has been a person since he or she began to exist at fertilization. Furthermore, the term zygote, embryo, and fetus describe stages of biological human development and as such do not describe the development into a human person. Personhood is attained from the moment of fertilization when a new zygotic or zygotic genome is assembled. As in the case of death, the point in time for personhood is absolute and does not vary among individuals. The human nature of Christ began at conception. When God placed the zygote possessing the XY chromosome implanted and possessing all the sufficient DNA necessary for human life into the uterus of Mary. The Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and she did not become pregnant from any illegitimate means or human, di or human divine act of intercourse that conception occurred by God the Father. The this fulfilled the promise that Emmanuel would come to earth. What a joyful promise. Jesus Christ coming in human flesh, God incarnate. So not only is God the source of our joy, but we see next is the song of our joy. And so verses 46 through 56 is what's known as Mary's Magnificat. And it's from the first word of the Latin translation, which means enlarge and the greatness of God. And is filled with phraseology from the Old Testament. In fact, in the Old Testament scriptures, there are 12 passages mentioned. And that helps us understand even the spiritual depth of Mary. She knew the Old Testament. And even young women at that time were well versed in the Old Testament scriptures. It helps, gives an insight to her spiritual state. But understanding here is it was modeled on also Hannah's prayer from 1 Samuel 2, 1 through 10. And if you want, hold your spot in first in Luke and we'll turn to that. In 1 Samuel 1, excuse me, chapter 2. I'll allow a little bit of time, if you would, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 1 through 10 and you'll see the parallel. This is known as Hannah's song of praise, as we think about when she is, when she understands that um, she's going to have a child. She prayed so long for Samuel. But starting in verse 1, it says, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies, because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and those who stumbled are girded with strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, and the hungry have ceased to hunger. Even the barren has borne seven, and she who has many children has become feeble. 
The Lord kills and makes alive, and brings down to the grave and brings up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. He raises the poor from the dust, and lifts the beggar from the ash heap, to set them among princes, and make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength no man shall prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces from heaven. He will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. And now let's go back to the book of Luke. Luke 1. Because we see here this song that is given. It is an expression of Mary's soul magnifying the Lord. God's name is not separate from God's character. And in Luke 1, as Mary mentions these characteristics of God, what often happens is these attributes, humanly speaking, we think, oh, someone is friendly, someone is happy, someone is loving. But it doesn't constitute their whole being. When these terms and characteristics are applied to God, it is important for us to understand that such as holy, mighty, omniscient. They're not only descriptions, but they're the essence of who God is. If you look in Luke chapter 1, and, and just reading again where it says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. As we look at some of these characteristics, and we're going to go through four of them. If you're following along in your notes, because this song of joy is about God. And first of all, we see that God is gracious. God is gracious to Mary. This expression of thanks to God for what he has done for Mary exalted her in her humble position. Now, most people understanding the circumstances that she was in, to look at, at an outsider view, God caused a 13 to 16 year old young girl who has had no sexual relations to become pregnant. And as we think about that stigma that she would have faced by her family, the community, it would have been terrible. And she, she views this as a blessing because she was to give birth to the promised Messiah. And she understands that and says, God is gracious. Also, she expresses and says that God is mighty. This study of God, the character of God. He is holy and he is powerful, as you see there in verses 49 through 51. Just think about the wonderful things that he has done. Only God could cause this conception to take place. And sometimes we limit God. We think, oh God, maybe you could do this or help out. Now, God doesn't necessarily act in miraculous ways because that is what 
sometimes people want. Oh, I'll believe God if he moves this mountain, if God does this miraculous thing. But God doesn't always choose to work that way. But it is still God who, who causes the sick to be healed. God is the one who, who causes that individual who needs a job or healing. It is God who works in human ways, sometimes helping us find the right doctor, sometimes helping us find the right vehicle, or providing forgiveness to that family member who we can't always forgive. It is God who does those miracles, and it is no less the mighty God who has created this universe. It is also the God who is just. He's gracious, he's mighty, and he's just. And he displays true justice in humbling and exalting, fairly treating the rich and the poor. If you see verses 52 through 53, God is the one who is the lifter of my head. God is the one who exalts. And he's also the one who puts people in their place. The challenge is, as we think about justice, if we could have divine justice, the power of divine justice, we'd make sure that they received it immediately. But understand that God does not always do that. And he is patient and loving. And he is long-suffering. Even with us who are a sinful people. But he's patient to those people who cut you off in traffic. He's patient for those who wrong you. And if we think about the book of Revelation, those saints who are asking, how long, Lord, when are you going to bring justice? When are you going to... Going to um, bring that judgment, that rightful judgment upon these people who have wronged the saints. As we look at our country, as we look at our world, that is coming soon, someday. But until that time, we can understand that he is still a just God. And he's long-suffering and waiting. And that those individuals who have not placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ would come to the point of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He is still a God who is just, but also a God who forgives. Then finally, as we look at God is merciful. He is gracious, he is mighty, he is just, he is merciful. He remembers Israel and keeps his promises as he has in the past. Think about Abraham and the promises and to his seed forever. As we look in, in back in Genesis 12 and 18, where it talks about the Abrahamic covenant that he would bring land, seed, and blessing. And that was to future generations, even mentioned, as he always left a remnant. And it says that in our text, where it, it talks about those gener from generation to generation, that Israel has a rich heritage of seeing how God has always provided for the nation and people of Israel, the remnant that were taken um, to over to Persia and to Babylon in exile, but yet he always kept them a remnant, people who followed after him. And as we look at the nation of Israel, as we think about prophetic events, pay attention to Israel. And so we understand that the song of joy that Mary had and possessed, she shared. But also, not only is the source of joy, we see the source of joy, the song of joy, but finally, the season of joy. And the season of joy is in the birth of a Savior. And that is as we celebrate Christmas. It's interesting because the most important holiday that we have as believers is Easter. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. But 
as we understand the birth of Jesus Christ. It is Emmanuel, God with us, the time when God sent his son Jesus Christ to come to earth. But it wasn't just to stay as a baby, as cute as children are. Each of you were, were cute babies. I know there aren't always cute babies, but I'm sure every one of you were cute babies. But understanding small children, babies, they grow up. And what occurred is Jesus didn't come just to stay and be born and to heal. He came to forgive our sins, to die on the cross, and to raise again, to provide the gift of eternal life. And the first thing we see here as we look at verse 47 is the personal possession. So not only is it the season of joy, the birth of Savior, but the personal possession. And this is the application to each one of us. Each individual must enter into a personal relationship. Mary, as we look at her in verse Mentioned in verse 47, it says, My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. There are those in other religious backgrounds. I know even sometimes Roman Catholics who teach that she did not have original sin. But the problem is, it is only sinners who need a Savior. And Mary here, she understood her position and says, God my Savior. And if you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ, I would encourage you because you need a Savior. Someday, and we know with illnesses and sicknesses, or even accidents. I know that isn't being recorded as much, but people are still dying of other things. Um, we had a friend who was visiting our church who, who comes in the, used to come as a winter guest. And she passed away from a heart attack. And uh, is a friend of the church. There are different people. And we never, we don't know when our time is. Death is not limited by age, by ethnic background, by um, location. It occurs. And we need to understand that no matter what occurs in our life, we need to be ready. And if we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the promise from Scripture is that we would be, have a home in heaven. And that is a personal possession that Mary had because she understood she needed a Savior. Secondly, we see here is a past profession. A past profession. In verse 50, it talks about the evidence of testimonies of transformed people from past generations. It says, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. I'm thankful that throughout history we have had testimonies of individuals. And I'm sure that you can name individuals in your lives who have lived for a testimony for Christ from generation to generation. We have the biblical record here that gives examples of people, some who failed, but some who also lived out and were righteous. The righteousness of individuals such as Joel or Daniel. And we're grateful for their testimonies because it helps remind us that we can please God and glorify Him through our lives. And these past professions can cause us joy to know that we can honor and please God. And that is a blessing to know during this Christmas season what has occurred, that He has come and there's a reason for this season found in Jesus Christ. And the third thing we see here is not only the personal profession, possession, the past profession, but also the prophetic pronouncement. This prophetic pronouncement in verse 54 and 55, where it says, 
He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And as we look at this fulfillment of scripture that had been promised even back at the time to Abraham, to his seed, that he would become the father of many nations. And then in the fulfillment in Israel, to understand that Mary's praise here pronounces that the Messiah has already come. In her, she would be the mother of the Messiah, and he has come in the fulfillment of Scripture. The challenge and sad thing is in Israel, they're still waiting for the Messiah. They are waiting for the fulfillment of their joy. And my question for you this morning is, have you received the gift of joy that is Jesus Christ? Because during this Christmas season, when there are so many challenges, so many things that can cause us to lose our hope, to lose our peace, to lose our joy, we must understand that it's founded and rooted in the person and work of Jesus Christ. No matter our circumstances, no matter our personal emotions, maybe you're a person that the glass is only half full, but to understand that Jesus Christ is the author and source of our joy, as we see even in Hebrews, to understand that this morning, when we understand and study who God is, that he is the source of our joy, then we can possess joy during this Christmas season. And hopefully that will be evident and be reflective in the lives of those around you. And I would encourage you to take a moment because during this Christmas season, when things are quieter, usually there are things that are, there are events that are occurring that cause this season to be so busy. And we have time to reflect, to meditate on his scripture, on Isaiah 9, 6, Emmanuel, God with us, on Isaiah 7, 14, and to reflect upon the fulfillment and to, to question is your joy found and based in Jesus Christ? If today were your last day, would you still be able to possess that joy that is grounded in Jesus Christ? Because to be honest, sometimes it's difficult. As you, Maybe you're a young person. You might think, well, there's things I still want to do. Maybe you know, you're thinking as a, um, an employee or a person who's working. You think, wait a second, have I done enough? You know, how is your relationship with Jesus Christ? Or maybe you are mature in your years. And I would encourage you to make sure that others know. Don't just hold that joy in your own heart, but make sure that others know that the, your joy is founded and based in the person and work of Jesus Christ. What a blessing we have because Jesus did die on the cross to forgive our sins. He rose again. And as we reflect upon that time, may you just be encouraged because as we think about that babe born in a manger, in very humble means, has come in such a way not to, not to bring judgment yet, but to provide salvation to each person. And who is there in your life that needs to hear that good news? Shall we pray this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for how you have provided and Lord, I just am grateful that you have given your son Jesus Christ. 
Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand and remember true the source of true joy. God, sometimes we find temporary happiness in things around us, in, a, in people. But Lord, people are going to let us down. Finances are going to let us down. Even our home. Sometimes we think, oh, you know, I have a nice home. But if our home were taken away, would our joy be taken away? Lord, as we reflect upon Mary and her circumstances. And Father, I just pray that you would help us to realize and recognize that if we don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then we don't have anything. But also that relationship that is growing, that we understand more about who God is, that he is trustworthy, that he is faithful. I pray that you would help us to live for him and, and may our lives be a reflection of that joy that is found in our lives. Help us not to be an emotional roller coaster. Help us not to, to base our joy upon our circumstances. But Lord, Help us to read your word and to understand that uh, we can find joy amidst our circumstances, no matter what occurs. Help us to be joyful when things are going well. Help us to be joyful when things aren't going so well. And Father, we love you. We are grateful that uh, you have pr um, brought each one here. And Lord, I pray that you would be lifted up. May you be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Thank you.